parenting can be a thankless task at times. Sure, I mean, there are great bits to it, but on balance, we probably wouldn't be without them. Well, not all of us, and maybe not all of the time. But there are aspects to the role that can be, how should we put it, maybe unwelcomed. The disciplinarian or enforcer role, the have you done your homework moments, and the put your phone away times. So how would it feel to delegate those aspects to someone else? Hello, and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, the founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this, our third season of the podcast, we're chatting with parents, students and teachers to hear how things are going. Specifically, of course, we're interested in the highs and lows, the trials and tribulations in the run up to exams in 2022. We'll be covering everything from trouble getting going to burning the candle at both ends from students who are overzealous and anxious to those who are underperforming yet nonchalant. Through these shared real-world experiences, I hope that you'll take comfort that you're not alone. Perhaps, more importantly, I hope that you'll take away some insights and advice that maybe you can use to support your own team so that they'll not just survive the exams, but thrive in the preparation. So, if you're a parent, a carer, or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, I'm chatting with Katie. Katie is mum to two teens, and her eldest is a girl who's working towards her GCSEs in 2022. Now, both of Katie's children are at boarding school. Katie, it's lovely to have you on the podcast today. I wonder if we could start by talking about what you saw as the key benefits of sending your children to boarding school. Well, firstly, it was about choosing the right school, and It is a state boarding school, so to be honest, the choice of boarding was more about making sure that they got that opportunity. The catchment is very, very small. I would have liked them both to have started in year seven, but that was not an option. So Emmy didn't start until the October of year 10, so she's been there just over a year. The benefit for her really was post-Covid. It was a necessity because she had actually shut down and was very unhappy where she was. It was a bit of an impulse decision for for us, but the offer was there and she went. And I have to say, I'm very grateful for that. With regards to Preston, he applied for year nine and thankfully got in. So when people talk about boarding schools, I think a lot of people, certainly if you haven't haven't been, might think of sort of something Victorian, capes and mortarboards, and it's all a bit sort of just William. But I'm presuming that that's not the case, is it? That is most definitely not the case. I never dreamt I would send my children to boarding school because I'm a nurturer and now they're not here to nurture. But no, it's about socialising and I think for them, you're looking at your peers. One of the biggest benefits in today for today is they don't have access to their devices in the same way as they do at home. And that is a huge tick for me. So they have their phones taken away in the evening at nine o'clock. If I tried to do that at home, it would be impossible or cause a big argument. And not so much for Emmy, but for Preston, there's no Xbox. And if he's at home, that's all he will do. And so is that then to say that if they haven't got these other things that 
in inverted commas typical teens might be using of a of an evening presuming doesn't mean that they're working by candlelight and studying all the time still of course not they've got plenty of activities with the school and they have constantly putting things on social media about the activities that they're doing whether it's baking they go they have trips out they have barbecues there's always activities and one of the other key elements that particular school is sponsored by Eton College so they are able to use the facilities at Eton it's a very sport orientated school and one of the other things that they do is CCF unfortunately Emmy missed that but Preston was signed up whether he liked it or not and I think it's a really good structure for them you know they're having to participate in activities and mix with Eton boys and so what does the the ccf what what is that i've not heard of that so it's combined cadet force so their particular training is through the army so they actually carry out army training all the marching and they've had a couple of weekends away that have involved a lack of sleep shall we say (laughs) they're a bit like duke of edinburgh on steroids most definitely and i i he preston wasn't sure which one to do but i pushed for ccf because the Duke of Edinburgh is open to everybody and CCF isn't. So this is then part of sort of looking ahead and giving them a competitive advantage, is it? Most definitely, because I just think it's about being given instructions and following those instructions. There does seem to be a lack of that, I think, in their generation. And so going back to what you said a moment ago, that you're, you're a nurturing person and you're kids aren't there for you to sort of well nurture as you said was that then part of this balance that you looked at what it is that they'll have at home what it is that they'll get at school and make a decision on that basis yes most definitely because I don't need to be the person pushing them constantly to get their head in the books to make sure they're revising have they done their prep I can be at home everything is on an app so I can see if they've done everything and so then when they're at home it's more of a pleasant experience i can nurture them without pushing all of the time i'm not going to say i don't because i do especially at the moment with gcses there is a little bit of push but probably not as much as if they were at home all the time aside from sort of starting to feel maybe a little bit envious (laughs) start looking into this but i wonder whether if they're not at home all the time, does it mean that you're not worried about sort of what they're doing with their studies and how they're getting on in exactly the same way? The sort of an out of sight, out of mind position? No, definitely not. I have a concern about exams, like I'm sure lots of parents have over the last couple of years with everything that has happened. This particular time is going to be even more challenging because of what has happened over the last two years with regards to the gradings. Emmy chooses to stay at school at weekends at the moment because she's got her mocks coming up because she knows she will work harder there but if she does come home there is still that element of making sure that she is performing and carrying out a certain amount of revision. And so how difficult then do they find that transition and, and your eldest in particular Emmy in particular between sort of being at home and home being relaxing and not school and school being studying and devices being taken away and that restriction in freedoms really that you talked about she's quite self-disciplined to be honest so one of the biggest problems is she's a bit of a night owl so she works late and as a parent it's kind of you should be getting up in the morning and being productive where that doesn't work for her 
So when she's at home, it's the typical, well, of course, I am going to do it. I am going to do it, but in my own time. And I've witnessed it. She will. She will end up working till all hours. So therefore, can't remove the devices because she's using them to revise. And I genuinely believe she is because there's far too much paperwork out at the same time, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> she seems entirely switched on as well, though. If I'm working, no, 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 I'm, I'm working late. That's why I need this. I'm learning through TikTok. Yeah, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. And yes. so how much do you say, how much yeah. would you say that she does at home? Because you'd sort of wonder whether or not the coming home, sort of the exias, I think they call it, is then sort of downtime and time for you to spend with the family as well well you definitely have to have a balance i think there's just an incredible amount of pressure on them at the moment especially with this new grading system or the newish grading system i think it has made it even more difficult to achieve or, or their sense of achievement is even higher is emmy's driven to do sort of exceptionally well she is so she's not a natural she has to work hard. She's she's very bright, but she has to work hard. And I think some of her peers maybe don't need to work quite so hard. She So she has put a lot of pressure on herself. And with this new grading, you know, for her, a seven isn't good enough. And we always strive for an A, you know, as years gone by, you strive for an A. Anything over and above an A was a bonus. Where now, they're not striving for the A because they're striving for a nine. And I just think it's almost impossible unless you are exceptionally academic and have an incredible memory. Yeah, we absolutely, I mean, we hear that loads. This whole thing of children looking at their sevens and going, oh, well, it's only a seven. And I think the last couple of years with the grading that's been based on teacher assessments has seen quite naturally, I think for very good reasons, an increase in eights and nines in the marketplace if you like against the students those two years and so i think the kids are sort of becoming much harsher on themselves as you say it's it's the, the sort of the definition of best as uh, being altered and I, I think it was really tough on them most definitely and the fact that they're going to change the grade boundaries this year as well they're going to increase them because they've been too exactly as you said they're all getting far too many eights and nines and actually this year is one of the years that have missed out for A-levels and for GCSEs, have missed out on more of their education than the previous two years. So I do have a question as to why they're going ahead with the exams in the way that they are this year, but that's not going to change. No, and you're not alone. And as you know, my daughter's doing GCSEs this year as well. And you say you sort of look at it and think they've had disruption. It's still uncertain. There's cases of COVID in the schools. So bubbles are bursting but they are and they're not doing remote learning and it seems to be difficult to keep up and at the same time although what the government have done is said that we'll bring it back to the pre-covid levels of how many people get nines how many people get eights it's still going to be tough because it's going to look like it's harder to get them this year than in previous years oh most definitely most definitely and i just yeah i just i think they they needed to wean it back in a in a slightly different way i think maybe based on what has happened maybe it should have been split less of an exam more coursework but 
hey, I'm not the government, so. No, and certainly I think a lot of teachers out there would agree with you <laughs> that, that this is a good opportunity for something more blended, to be a bit more creative. These weren't surprises. And I know that Ofqual and the exam boards and, and obviously through government are trying to make as many accommodations as they can. So things like reducing the content that you need to learn in your English and your history. And also in February, letting students know what will be the major topics that will come up in the exams. I think also then at the same time, because we've recently had the news that if exams are cancelled, then really and truthfully schools should be doing three mocks, one this term, one in spring, and then one in summer. And if that's the case, the kids start to need to revise for that now, while they're also learning the syllabus, along with everything else that's going on, it does seem an awful lot to have to take on. It is, it's, and it's the uncertainty. I actually received an email this afternoon with the contingency plan, which we had a, a virtual chat about it with the school, so we knew what to expect briefly. But that came out today, and I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. That will just, just increase the stress levels a bit more, I'm sure. I could just, little plug, we've got a post on the website that will explain it all beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect you know when the school talks to you and you're talking about the contingency plans and it, and all of the changes sometimes the parents it's difficult to comprehend it all i completely agree and there's so much and also you're learning it or finding out about it sort of in one shot and understand that it's a contingency plan while they're saying exams are definitely taking place so i mean if it's confusing for us and we're I think in a lot of cases, taking more of an active interest in it than the kids, then it's also I mean, it's confusing for them as well. So going back to thinking about the studying and revising at school, because as you said, Emmy is staying at school at the weekends for the revision because she's got her mocks coming up. So how much of a role does revision and studying have in their sort of what other teens might see their social time? So how much, sort of, for example, does Emmy spend working over the weekends? Over the weekends is a very good question. That would it's it's about self discipline because it's not they don't have prep time at the weekends. They have prep every day, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday there there isn't any prep. So it is about self discipline. It's difficult to know. I, I mean, there are teachers on hand, so that if she needed to ask questions, she could. But I think it's more about working with your peers rather than being at home or working alone. So it's interesting that she's found herself a good sort of working pattern, working environment, and that's the kind of thing that she's associating with sort of putting her head down and, and getting on with it. Yes, at school, because you're all in the same situation, where at home there are just more distractions, you know, the TV, the laptop, just in a different way, I think. But also parents are typically less authoritarian than teachers are. They you tend to chat back a lot more, certainly I did, chat back a lot more to my mum than I ever would have done my teachers. Oh, 100%. Um, yes, both of my children will answer me back no end, but I do not get that feedback from school. So I'm happy to pass the baton and let the school deal with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that does help to keep them on the straight and narrow, doesn't it? It's not about being stricter necessarily, but actually if they understand the parameters that they've got to work in, then you sort of just get on with it. Well, definitely. And I think the other thing is at home, if there's something they're not sure of, I learn in a very different way. The methods I use are very different to how they're taught now. So yes, I can assist and maybe a little help from Google, 
but I have a different method. So it's confusing for them. So therefore, if they're at school and there is a question, it's much easier to speak to one of the teachers or teaching assistants because they understand the current methods that are used. And so with your youngest, Preston, so he's in year nine. Do they do a two-year GCSE course? They do two, two years. So at the moment he's got a broad spectrum and he will choose his options at the end of year nine. And when you think about his approach and his studying, how does he differ or is similar in his approach to Emmy? You have a boy and a girl as well, so they are very, <laughs> very different. Enough said. <laughs> Preston's approach is horizontal. <laughs> So he, again, he's very bright and with no effort, okay, he's year nine, but six is, he, if he put in the effort and he doesn't put in any effort. So I'm hoping that the discipline of CCF and the discipline of being at boarding school will improve that as he goes into year 10, because it's a big change. It is, yeah, an absolute, I mean, a massive step up. Yeah, and he does need to step up and he knows that. And his answer is, I will in year 10. <laughs> manana, manana. That does sound very familiar. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it is a kind of a deep breath. And okay, what else can you do as a parent? You can't, you can't physically make them do things. You can put a book in front of them and hope that they're actually absorbing some of the information, but you can't absorb it on their behalf. So I can only hope that he does step it up a bit next year. I'd like to say by choosing subjects that you enjoy would encourage that. But if you ask Preston what he enjoys, he doesn't enjoy anything, which is very sad, I think. It's very sad. Well, so I don't think that's untypical of the age. I think that sort of at that point where rebellion is part and parcel of, sort of what they get up to. And as you say, I think what you do tend to find is a big step up in boys who are well, typically, I think, late bloomers. And I realise, of course, that this is entirely stereotypical, but they are often stereotypes for a reason. Oh, I totally agree. They're just completely, completely different in, in how they do things and their milestones. So Emmy loves to read and write. Preston's great with numbers. That's just the way they are. And that is exactly how everyone would say that's what happens with a boy and a girl until they get to a certain point. It's interesting, isn't it, that despite the fact that they're so different in those kinds of ways, that actually they should both be thriving in an environment that was more, I guess, more strict than it was at home and sort of finding that path through to academic grades and developing as young people. I can only hope, can't I? I think that having the less of a distraction at home, especially for Preston, as I said, with his Xbox, I can only hope that he'll be putting in more effort at school. And it's not all academics you know there are as i said before there are social events and fun to be had and i think that's also good because it means he's socializing with with you know with children who are also in exactly the same position and i mean i think it's quite telling that amy was looking to stay at school at the weekends because if she wasn't enjoying the environment and the social side and all of those kinds of things presumably she'd come running home on a friday oh most definitely and this didn't happen straight away i mean to begin with she wanted to come home so it's only as she's found her feet and probably more this year than last and she does love it to the point where she has requested that she can continue to board for sixth form but they do love because jake did a stint at boarding so the school that he's at had a boarding element we live fairly close to the school so he didn't need to board but 
he was really keen to do it and the school had an offer on i think probably to drum up more borders that they would you could do a, a trial run and so jake said well go on then you can have a go absolutely loved it i mean he thrived to be honest this was after his gcse's and i think the social elements of being around that many of his mates was too much of a distraction for him at that point. But the actual environment of being around kids your own age or more of the kids your own age, sort of like a whole Lord of the Flies thing going on, become a bit wild. Definitely. My stepdaughter, who's 22 now, but she boarded again from year nine and she loved it. She did like coming home at weekends, but she did love it. She loved being, it was a, it was a much longer day she was particularly academic, but just loved being with her peers and that whole, yeah, that whole environment. It's a sleepover every night. <laughs> <laughs> but without the phone or the chocolate. I'm sure there was plenty of chocolate, <laughs> plenty of chocolate, just not the phone. <laughs> and so then thinking about Emmy, so you mentioned Emmy going on to college and stayed within a boarding school to do that. Is she sort of focused on the future? Is there something in particular that she's got in mind that she wants to do? English is her passion. So she's looked at the journalism route as a possibility but i think for her option she wants to make sure she keeps a bit of a broad spectrum she doesn't want to close any doors and i think by having english as an a level will allow for that depending on what the other two options are yeah because of course i mean this is the time when they're starting to pick for at least first round options i think a lot of schools are looking to do now yes i mean because we need to do that on top of our gcse's don't we <laughs> i mean let's just put it all together and do it all at the same time so yes yeah, so on top of the stress of exams we're now trying to look at sick forms and she's very particular about where she would and wouldn't want to go and the three subject choices that are her preferred are english media and criminology oh wow and boarding so you have, <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many options out there. No, and I'd also quite like the moon on a stick, please, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, whatever she likes, I will provide. <laughs> I will find a way. <laughs> That's the nurturing in me again, you see. <laughs> and so how easy do you find it to have the conversations with her about it? And I say this only from a point of ignorance, because my own daughter doesn't have a chance to escape anywhere when I'm talking to her. She can't pretend that she's run out of coins in the phone. How involved do you feel in the kinds of decisions that she's making about A-levels? With regards to subject choices, that's, you know, I'm not going to pick for her. She needs to pick herself because she's got to study them for the next two years. What I have maybe suggested is that she considers at least one of those as a BTEC because she does struggle under exam pressure, but more than capable. And I think coursework based would be much more beneficial for her. And then with regards to location, I'm quite open-minded as to the point where, where we were looking at the state boarding schools, the one she picked is in the Lake District, which is kind of five, five hours away. Where at the moment they're only 15 minutes away. So although they're at boarding school, they are only 15 minutes away. Well, that's quite a distance to drag a trunk, isn't it? It's a huge distance. I think she's maybe just looking at it right now as a jolly in January for their open day. <laughs> Mother-daughter weekend away, maybe. I don't know. Oh, why not? Well, exactly. <laughs> Any excuse. I have a feeling that might be quite a divisive episode, but regardless of your thoughts on boarding, you have to admit 
there was plenty of food for thought. Katie opened by admitting that she didn't ever think she'd be the one to send her children off to boarding school. And I think for those of us who don't, we'd probably say the same. I mean, it's hard to imagine them not being in the house, even if they are invariably self-confined to their rooms, inches away from a screen and hardly communicating, or even on those times when we're nagging them to do some schoolwork or just empty the dishwasher for once without being asked to. At the same time, I'm certain though, that all of us would go to great lengths to support them in their endeavours, whatever they might be. After all, you are here listening to this podcast. So why not put them in a position where they're not just supported academically, but given the structure and discipline too? I thought it was really interesting to hear about boarding school life and the contrast to home life. I mean, things like not having devices after nine o'clock. I mean, you can see the appeal, can't you? It's not just about having teachers on site to support them with their academics, but it's also about the opportunities that they might not get at home. And of course, also, there are those social elements to it as well. I mean, being away from phones and Xboxes means that they're interacting more with each other in, I guess you might say, a traditional way. I mean, how many of us have lamented the rise of the iPhone and the impact that it's had on our children's social skills? It's all well and good to say that the answer perhaps lies in parents being firmer, but that's like pushing water up a hill unless all of the other parents are doing the same kind of thing. There's clearly a trade-off here, isn't there? Having the kids around on one hand to nurture them, using Katie's words, and then providing them with a solid foundation for their future. And I guess that that's sort of a continuum and all of us are going to land at different points along the way. After all, what parent doesn't want both? But the fact remains that most of us won't send our children off to sleep somewhere else. But I wonder how much of that is about us not wanting to part with them more than anything else. For those parents, the feeling is typically that our children aren't with us for long and it'll be a wrench when they do inevitably go. So why then send them off earlier? But of course, you may remember back to our very first episode, season one with Dr. Dominique Thompson, where she talked about how the role of a parent is to raise our little angels so that they can survive without us. My thanks to Katie for sharing so openly and to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and hearing another parent talk about their experiences, how would you like to be on a future episode and perhaps share your own story? Real mums and dads chatting about how things are going for them. If you're up for that, then please do drop me an email at hello at thestudybuddy.com. And if you're looking for ways that you can support your own young person to develop strong study skills in the approach to their GCSEs and A-levels, then why not head over to the Study Buddy website? There you'll find a whole host of information about our innovative time management and study organising approach. And you'll also find a blog packed full of useful articles and hints and tips. To find out more, why not make a beeline for thestudybuddy.com. And finally, of course, if you found yourself nodding away to this episode, or even if you found a nugget of something you're going to try out with your own team, then would you mind leaving us a review? And if it's not too much to ask, a five-star rating. It all helps us to reach other parents who, just like the rest of us, are all looking to make some sense in the run-up to exams. Of course, don't forget to share the link to this and other episodes on your social media weapon of choice. It's all greatly appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, 
So please don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Study Sessions podcast.